Fucking piss trumpets. What's the run? You run out of beer. Uh, run out of cold beer. There were two bloody... There's a couple of Coronas at the back of the fridge, so I've had to go and get some ice. And wow. Lemon right. like it's 2002 in here. I don't even... Coronas just used to be like water. Just, you know, just rock up at the bar, have a Corona. Can report, still is. Um, Fucking delay on this as a bastard. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I just did a speed test before and it seems to be okay. So, I had I had two um, sort of uh, the, the same feeling about albums. Fuck, you're on delay as well. Is your brain on delay? I think you're real trouble getting your sentence out. <laughs> yeah, my brain's on delay. I had, I had my first drink for the week and, and it's fucking gone all sideways. Uh, two, I had two albums on complete opposite ends of, the, ends of the spectrum with exactly the same feelings about them uh, in that I think thought they were executed pretty well in a style that just was not for me at all. Um, so, should we start with John B- Batiste? 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 I think he's Batiste. John Batiste. Batiste? Um, it's one of those albums where I listened to the album, uh, I, had, I had thoughts, and then I listened yes. back to the podcast because I was I was doing the editing on it, and mm. what, we li- what we said the podcast last week... Lined up absolutely yeah. perfectly with all the Absolutely preconceived perfectly. concerns that we had. It was yes, there's some interesting stuff on here, but by fuck, there's some milk toast, auto tuned R and B pop masquerading as world beats, and there's a whole a whole bunch of ideas that just don't fucking work, and some ideas that do, and it's not unpleasant across the journey, but it doesn't make you want to go back and you know retraverse the journey that often. I sort of got two tracks in and went, ah, oh, man, this is bullshit. There's just so much auto-tuned, like, standard R&B pop. And then I sort of relaxed mm. into it a little bit. And I was like, like okay, Was that because they started with, they started heavy with the world music thing and then it just sort of slumped oh. into this generic fucking auto-tuned R&B shit? And you're thinking, oh, come on, what are we doing? Because it, yeah. it does actually start it, with it, a little spark. And you think, and the world music radio conceit that he tries to stitch the album together with, you know, little interstitials and playouts and stuff. It does not work. Doesn't, he doesn't lean in hard enough to it. It reminded me a bit no. of somebody, an album that did this well, which was Songs for the Death by Queens of the Stone Age, where the conceit was you were cha- you were driving out to Joshua Tree and you're flicking through the, ch- the radio channels as you got further and further out of LA and you got weirder and weirder radio stations that were playing weirder and weirder stuff. Uh, but he didn't he didn't really fucking lean into it hard enough to make it actually work. But just saying world music radio over and over again isn't a bit. No, even something like the Reservoir De- uh, Dogs soundtrack album, which has that you know, super sounds of the 70s interstitials that actually sound like a 70s radio station. This did not sound like a world world music radio station to me. No. It just sounded like an artist trying to yeah. to do interstitials, right? Like, it was lame. <laughs> I just felt a little bit embarrassed. Uh, none of this has the joy and the... And the um, the pop sparkle of the, that one song I really liked. Yeah. There's... Which is exactly what you said you know, was going to happen last time. Yeah. You know how some people reckon they can taste the chemical of MSG in food? You know, like it gives them like a bit of, like, like a yeah. sort of like a metallic aftertaste. Mostly That's we call those people white racists. <laughs> 
but th- th- that's what auto tune does to me. It's like, oh, I can, I can, oh. I can taste it in the back of my mouth. Ah. Well, you know, you know how they have that, you know, misophonia, which is where you hear sounds and they make you feel physically uncomfortable. You know, like fingernails down the blackboard is a good example. But some people are like, if you're eating on a on a podcast or something, people have that. Yeah, I have that with auto tune. It makes my it makes my fucking skin crawl and my my fucking nerves twitch. It's just such a horrible, horrible sound. I think it's because it's in that uncanny valley. You know that you know when you're trying yeah, to simulate it humans. Is, it's, it's like that. It's close enough, but too close, but not yeah. close enough. And it just makes you feel really creepy and gross. And you just you know you just want to kill it with fire. That's how I feel about all that tune. It's funny. I went on a on a not a deep dive, but like a a shallow dive on the on the weekends. Um, <laughs> Break your neck, which I'm pretty. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm, I think I've told you before, but like I just sort of dipped into the weekend's, I don't know, top 40 songs just to, to try and understand what the appeal was because he's got a couple of songs that I really like. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, we've, a, done, we've done one or two weekend albums, but not when you were here. I think Adam and I have done at least one uh, of his okay. albums. I think it was an album of old demos, and we kind of back to back it against his most recent and said, "Well, he was actually much. He was he wasn't interesting then, and he, is, he isn't interesting now. But his Prince tribute act bullshit seems to be working better now." Well, the f- the funny thing is, he is not a good singer in any way, shape, or form. But he sounds way worse when he when he uses auto tune. It's like your bad singing sounds better than your auto tuned R and B bullshit. Yeah, uh, and he's not willing it, to do it, it, is he? He very rarely fucking. Doesn't use auto tune. He's he's like he's really yeah. leaning on that crutch. Mm. So I'm sure there's like some really big fans of this album. I reckon it has, it will have a fan base, but that fan base is not me. It was more so. that the um. Well, for me, it was the idea that the songs on this, the songs that were quote unquote good, the songs that actually had a hook to them, the hooks were generally fairly generic. Once you peeled apart, you know, peeled yeah. out the whatever the, the African beats or whatever it was, he was trying to dress it up and make it world music-y. The bones of the songs were pretty boring, and it doesn't... Did, did you did you go and have a listen to the track that I was referencing, the um, Freedom? Because no, but I can imagine it, what it, it sounds it, like. Yeah, but it's it's just got one of the... It's got enough of a hook that it sticks in my head and, and like, I'll be, you know, randomly it'll, it'll pop up as a mind worm. I'll and listen to it when I drop it as the bed for this section here. Yeah, you might as well because it's a much better song than any of the songs of this yeah. album. But this, that's our review. Go back and listen to that one song he made that was good back back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. All right, so talk to me about Killer Kin. So I get the impression that this is the other album that you think was done well but is not for you. And my question yeah. is, why is this not for you? Do you not have a heart and a soul? For Christ's sake, <laughs> uh, this is this is absolute sonic violence. It's reprehensible, glorious it's, nonsense. It's loud. The, the music, the music, uh, like the the guitars on this, uh, like uh, if you could just isolate the guitars and play them for me, I think I'd be happy. It's some real dynamic shit. Well, actually, I had a dodgy speaker cable, and and it was only playing one channel there for a bit, and I was only getting the guitars, and I was like. Oh, well, I could just stick my head in the, the fucking speaker here. But, you know, you look at yeah. the cover of the album and it's got a bunch of Darrows in the background and some fucking ludicrously hot chick in a black leather bikini with a chain. You think, fucking cliche bullshit. They've just stuck some fucking hot chick on the cover. And then you look at the notes and you go, no, wait, she's the guitarist and she writes all the songs. <laughs> and then I thought, <laughs> I like these guys a lot because that's, that, is, that is my fucking kryptonite is... 
is hot female guitarists. And uh, yeah, she fuck it. She can shred. And, you know, it's, it's all her work. She just has someone else out the front to do the screaming and, and the gurgling. Um, I will do a variation on Doc Reed's bios, which is Doc Reed's label blurb. Because I think this is the best review you're ever going to get of this album, which is Connecticut Fuzz Freaks, Killer Kin, take you inside their sleazy dungeon of blown-out Destructo Rock on their punishing self-titled debut album. These bludgeoning riff demons bleed, sweat, and shred big cooks and larger, louder guitars sounding like a ravaged powder keg of the cramps. Early GG, Soggy, the retards, the Stones and the Ramones. The Stooges and the Ramones, sorry. So, yes. Essential for those who like that nasty shit. So, uh, yeah, that's 10 out of 10 label wank. No notes. Um, that's exactly what it is. It's a whole bunch of explosive, unhinged release of stabbing, screeching guitars and raw larynx shredding vocals. So uh, if you like that kind of shit, you'll like this kind of shit. Um, riffs. Loud. I, like, I enjoyed it. I just, I just don't know whether <laughs> just I... just violated I don't know whether afterwards. I understood... I, I just don't know whether I understood it at all. What's to understand? It's a whole lot of screaming and some massive riffs. A chicken in a leather bikini who could shred better than fucking anybody from the 80s. So, tell everybody. I oscillated between, holy shit, this is the album of the year, to this is some fairly generic blues rock. Where did you land? Well, uh, this isn't... This isn't go in the conversation for album of the year because it, because it's compilation and and it's a. I, I um, understand why. This is this yeah. is a Joker and it's more of a conversation piece than anything else. But this is basically a love letter from Dan Auerbach to all his heroes, as well as being essentially like a, a promo disc for his record label, because he's got a whole bunch of the the young and up and coming artists on, on his label, as well as some of the older guys, some of whom have died since the recording of this stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, Glenn Schwartz was a dude who was in around, was a guitarist in the sixties who was who moved from Cleveland to San Francisco, and he was reputed as being you know as, as good as Hendrix or any any of those sorts of dudes. But he he found Jesus. And he went off and formed a, a, a evangelical rock band and joined a cult and disappeared. But then he re-emerged in what would have been the 90s, just in, back in Cleveland, playing local blues bars and back to playing secular instead of um, Jesus rock. Uh, and that's where Dan Albach and Patrick Carney, as teenagers, discovered him because that's where they grew up. And his sound with the sort of shit he was playing in these these dingy clubs in Cleveland in the late 90s were what inspired the Black Keys. So he was basically, if it wasn't for him, there would be no Black Keys because that was the guy who who, uh, kind of inspired their sound. So he came back and he did a whole lot of, a lot of stuff. And, and his one of his mates was Joe Walsh, who was who went on to be in the, the Eagles. So that's kind of the, 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 the line. I think Joe Walsh is on the track that, uh, on one of the tracks that, that, uh, Glenn Schwartz does. But it is an interesting blend of really old school, like Delta style blues from dudes who are old enough to have been there at the time or dudes who are reaching back to that. And also some other, it it, it is, it's a grab bag, but it kind of, it does remind me of one of those, um, record label samplers. I remember Shock yeah. Records did a really good one in the 90s that had a whole bunch of acts that, that, that were on their labels. It was everyone from oh. Tism to fucking Body Jar to Sprung Monkey to Sublime to all manner of shit. But I mean, it, it is basically we, a we record would, company sampler. 
we would have absolutely bought the the magazine that had this CD glued to the front cover. Um, uh, you know, back in the 2000s. It would have been Guitar Magazine. Yeah, yeah. It really is a past, present, and future sort of album, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a little bit of everything. Like that, it's got that real. And I guess that's where my sort of ups and downs went, which was, you know, some of the more classical stuff probably didn't grip me as much as the the more uh, inspired sort of more modern stuff yeah. uh, which is really hard because it, it's not necessarily modern and some of the tracks that were sounded old were ones that were written you know for this they weren't Recorded just 15 minutes ago and you can do yeah. because Dan Auerbach's playing on them um, yeah it's I had a, a big thing with the blues in the late 90s as well probably about, except I didn't go on and form a band with Patrick Carney in my basement but it was <laughs> I, I do have an appreciation for that old kind of Muddy Waters kind of Howlin' Wolf Old Delta Blues, that old electrified shit. The, the stuff that the Stones were ripping off, basically, when and and Led Zeppelin were ripping off when they when they did their shit in the late seventies and earlier and, and early the late sixties and early seventies, because that was kind of the beginning of going back to the source material kind of thing, which is a a thing I've always really enjoyed doing with music. And people have listened to this podcast and be aware of that is that I often kind of try and go back and say, well, they sound like this because their influences were this. And eventually, you go back and you find a here it is all laid a, out an old an old black man with no teeth who played a fucking two string guitar at a crossroads somewhere in Alabama kind of thing. Robert Williams, basically. I sort of wish more there was a bit more of this sort of stuff. Um, well, there's a whole record label of it. I mean, I think, that, I think that's the reason this this album exists. No, no, I, I don't. I don't necessarily mean this style. I mean you know, people exploring their influences and bringing on, you, you know, like the record label sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you, you know, di- diversifying, you know, not writing necessarily an album, but having something where you can explore, you know, what influenced you and where you want to go and some of the people that you've influenced as well. Because that's the other thing is obviously some of these people are people that the Black Keys have influenced yeah, into this style of music. For sure. Or um, people people that, that Auerbach has found. I mean, there was a, one of them yeah. is a young lad from Kentucky who's Korean-American. He's not he's not black in any way, but he's playing some extremely old-school black music uh, and doing it yeah. in an extremely conv- convincing kind of way. All right. New music, new music. What are you going to tell me? For episode 360. I'm going to let you go first week. this week. No, I'm going to let you go first this week. Oh, fuck, because I haven't got my notes. So you shouldn't do this. You know how long it well, fucking takes me to get my shit together. <laughs> well, okay, so we, we've got this live music chat that's been going for, for years on WhatsApp about, you know, this is who's coming to this and who's coming to that. And, and you're still yet to find anything like, oh, good. Well, no, I'm going to Jungle in, in May next year, so that'll be fun. Yeah, you f- um, yeah, because you found that through the fucking chat. Oh no no! It's more that these are these are artists that are playing live in Brisbane. Do you want to go and see them? Sort of that that's what the chat's about. And so there was a bit of chatter about the Chemical Brothers coming back next year, and I'm like, oh sweet, they're doing a non-album tour. This will be ace, right? You know, they'll play they'll they'll play a set not influenced by the new album. And then I clicked on the new albums this week. And there's the Chemical Brothers album, which was completely unexpected. I did not know they were releasing an album this year. Uh, Maybe they learned from the consider- last new album they released. It, it isn't like a soundtrack or anything like that, is it? Because they've, they've done a lot of them. Basically. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's a completely new album. It's got a guest vocalist. You know, it's got Beck on it. It's got. Oh, that was uh, great! That'll make it really good. <laughs> oh, they've got a pretty good track record of pulling good vocals out of 
people that you don't normally like. So, no, this looks like this just looks like a straight up new album. But I'd, I'd like for that beautiful feeling. No buzz, no buzz whatsoever about that. No buzz at at all. I had no idea this was coming. So I would like to give that a listen. Like I, I think they are probably one of the most consistent recording artists that I like. Uh, I was a little bit down on the new, the, on the last album, but I think that's more a reflection of where Britain was more than where Chemical Brothers were. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, it was their first new album it, for a while, and, you know, they'd been doing a lot of slightly grim soundtrack work. I think it was reflective mm. of where they are. So Yeah, um, I was going to say Br- – Britain is Britain isn't exactly in a much better place, so let's see how this one goes. There was uh, no geography in 2019, which was frankly indifferent. Whereas Born in the Echoes, yeah. you know, it, it it contained essence of banger. It, you know, it wasn't their best, but you certainly it was your best, your favorite album of the year, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll, in 2015. I really that album. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the Chemical Brothers have a new album. Been doing this for ten years. Holy shit! Uh, I, um, um, and I looked up their their bio to see if they had anything about the new album, and they've and their entire bio reads but "Mind Bending Chemicals," posted by the Chemical Brothers. Thanks for that, boys. Mind you, the the bio for Jungle was uh, it's just a bit of fun, lots of love from the guys in the booth. So you know that's um that's helpful. Yeah, that that sort of sums up that album pretty well, though. I think. I mean, it does, but it it does kind of the bio was phoned in just like large swathes of the album were. Yeah, that's true. Um, you might need some chemicals to experience both of those new albums live. Validity. Uh, anyway, Validity. that's what I, that's what I'm going with. Right. What have you got? Have I have I filibustered enough for you to get your shit together? No, because I was listening to you. I was active listening. It's what I do. <laughs> I listen to people. I help them. I, you know, I, I I care about what they say. Apparently. Um, let's go to the new album by OCs, formerly VOCs. Um, they're uh, blues, I hate to say punk because they're not really punk, but they just uh, kind of, they're a bit kind of Ty Siegel y. Um, we've done, okay. we did one of their, their albums a few years ago, uh, but they're usually, they're quite prolific and they do all kinds of bits and pieces. So somewhere on the continuum between the Black Keys and Killer Kin exists the OCs, and it's our duty to figure out exactly where they are. <laughs> We shall try and place them in the in the uh, constellation in the firmament. Uh, Do you have a joker? Because I've I've been fucking uh, commandeering them on the uh, reg. Not really. The only well, uh, that's an EP. Well, can we have an EP as a as a joker? My my wife is a massive fan. Commit of- to the bit. <laughs> Sorry, of uh, Tash Sultana the. Electronic looping. Oh, um, fuck. We, we did, we did mo- an album of hers oh, a long time ago. Long time, time ago. Time ago, yeah. Yeah. She, she's a really interesting artist. <laughs> um, I quite like her approach. I think that you are never going to get a classic album out of someone that does that sort of stuff, but you, are, you might get something interesting, you might not. So an EP sort of sounds... Like her vibe, right? You know, like pick a pick a sort of micro topic and jam some stuff out about it. Uh, so let's see. Hers is called the Sugar. Can I just say at this point, fuck. Why? 
because the Raw Blood album just dropped and I didn't pay attention enough to notice that it had dropped. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of like, that's why I sort of I gave you the opportunity to go for it first. And I'm like, well, I've got to pick Chemical Brothers this week. I, uh, well, you know, but that's fine because you'll go, you'll go for Raw Blood. <laughs> I haven't had fucking time to uh, to do anything. I am. I'm a half a week behind on my podcasts. I barely got time to well, listen to albums. You, 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 you were sort of off, off their last album a little bit. So I just I was, but it would was definitely like, give them a crack, another crack for that. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's well, you can swap, you can swap it in if you like. That's fine. Nah, I'm quite interested. That's, good. that's another. It's good. That's another one I do want to listen to because that's- it, it can sit there for next week, or someone else can take it. I don't mind. The um, unless you uh, unless you want to pick it as a fucking joke. How weird no, are you to no, whatever the no, fuck I, you were talking I, I, about because I wasn't paying attention because I saw that the Raw Blood album had dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking um, terrible podcast partner. I've I've promised the boys a uh, some sort of sample-based instrument for Christmas. Sampler slash Groovebox slash some sort of electronic, you know, tap some buttons device. I have not decided. So if there's any podcast listeners out there that would like to, if anyone's got any... Um, any advice for what to, you know, like, and what's a good entry level in a 1992 Omega 500 and Pro Tracker is what you <laughs> yeah, know. That's true. Oh, there's some pretty, there's some pretty cool stuff out there now um, for, for laying down that sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the, the sort of loopy sort of stuff, I guess, where you, you know, you either record stuff and loop it and then, um, it's it's probably a little bit too mechanical, a little bit too computerized, but that's that's what that sort of stuff's about, right? It's to to balance out the. I, I sort of want something that they can just experiment on and yeah, and see see what comes out because they're getting to the stage where they can play their instruments well enough to record a sample and try and do something interesting with it. So I figure that it's a a good sort of experimental space to get into recording music rather than just playing music. Um, which is the sort of stuff that that's why I sort of I, I, I was looking at that Tash Sultana album because that's essentially what she does, right? She, you know, plays something, records it, loops it, warps it, plays something else, and and away she goes. Which is why I think you get a large variability with her her music because you know sometimes that sort of experimentation works and sometimes it doesn't. So we'll see. We'll see what the EP's like. I even remember. Just recording, we had like a, a tape deck you could record on. It had an internal mic, and we just made little radio, like essentially just comedy bits that we recorded live into this thing. And yeah. if you've got something that you can, re- an analog device you can record onto, or a digital device you can record onto, make a thing and then fuck with the thing. Yeah, and that's then suddenly well, you're that's, making that's stuff. That's the beauty with the, the podcast gear, right? Is I've got a whole bunch of mics and stuff sitting around that they can record you know record into to get the sounds and then it's just something you know what have i got that they can then manipulate the sound um <laughs> i follow this film composer on youtube and and he does all these sample libraries and he did one this week with the his electric toothbrush he pulled his electric toothbrush apart ran the oscillator over a guitar pickup and made a whole sample library out of it and it's just like you know if you've got a curious mind and some and some um, ideas. You can pretty much make music out of anything, so which is surprising considering how many bands we listen to can't make music out of actual instruments. But anyway, well, it's <laughs> uh, a poor tradesman blames his tools. tools. That's true. As, uh, uh, as everyone's primary school teachers told them over and again. 
So next week's albums are I've forgotten already. Chemical Brothers. <laughs> Chemical Brothers. That's right. The jo- uh, OCs the and Tashul Tashultana. Is an EP like a what do you call a small sultana? A current? Or a current's a big sultana? Isn't it? Uh, a small sultana. Yeah, but it's not. It's not a small sultana. It's thirty-two minutes long, which is longer <laughs> than the albums. Killer Kid album. So I think we're okay. That can, that can definitely be. The, if your EP goes longer than a punk rock album, it's not an EP. That's my theory. I think. I think it counts as a. It counts as, as a an joker album. anyway. Um, if if this is the best thing we hear all year, it's in the conversation. So, good luck, Tash. All right, Doc. Lovely to talk to you as always. Yes, and even lovelier when the internet behaved itself in any kind of corresponding way. I'm going to go and eat some rum and raisin ice cream. I'm going to go and eat my dinner. We live in very different worlds. We do. I'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers, folks. See ya.